All right, well, it's been a, it's been a rough couple weeks for Cowboys fans, so we need some good news today. We got kids crying for Romo to come back. Uh, we have to put up with Eddie putting up Steelers up here every single week, but um, Darren Woodson was elected uh, and put up in the ring of honor, uh, so we can celebrate that, and you can see there's a Steeler in the back kind of crying about that, so that's something we have to celebrate. Um, Actually, uh, also wanted to share just a thank you uh, uh, for this weekend. Uh, many of us got to go to a marriage retreat here uh, from the church, and just so much thankfulness for Ila and Eddie putting that together. I know Christina and me were so blessed uh, learning this weekend as we studied. Um, today we continue our series, Wise Up, and uh, we're in our third week looking at finances. And we believe this series is a very timely series for us as a church because finances have never been in more trouble in America. Never before have we had so much, and yet have we had so many problems. And there's some really staggering statistics about uh, personal and family finances in our country. Here's, here's some of those statistics. Recently, more Americans declared bankruptcy than graduated from college. The average American family carries $16,000 of credit card debt. 50%, half of Americans, spend more than what they make. 60% of Americans do not have a sufficient emergency fund. And the average American saves half as much today than the previous generation in spite of having a greater household income. So clearly there's some sort of problem and struggle that collectively we're going through today uh, as Americans. A fool thinks his standard of living is the same as his quality of life. There are people that have a very low quality of life and make a lot of money. The Bible calls them fools. And there are people who make very little who have a very high quality of life, the Bible calls them wise. The question for us today is which are we? A fool spends everything they've got to raise their standard of living but lower their quality of life. A wise person disciplines themselves to lower their standard of living and to raise their quality of life. A fool uses debt to raise his standard of living, and a wise person uses discipline to raise their quality of life. When it comes to our money, foolish decisions will only ever result in a tragic end. Proverbs 1, 32 and 33 says, For the simple are killed by their turning away, but the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me Will, will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. If you spend if an expected raise before you receive it, you're a fool. If buying lotto tickets is part of your financial plan, you're a fool. If you think the answer to your financial problems is making more money, you're a fool. If we're waiting until we make more money, to prepare for our future, we're fools. 
If our financial future plan is based on receiving a big promotion or landing a significant deal, we're fools. And if we think that wealth is only achieved through a big break or an inheritance rather than long-term planning, we're fools. So we started this journey two weeks ago and we took a look at the 80-20 principle, living on less than what we make, putting some aside. And then last week we talked about eliminating debt so that we're free to serve God and we're free to serve others and we're not living as captives and slaves to debt. What we're going to be looking at today is what the Proverbs have to say, what God has to say about making a living. And we're going to look today at how we all face the temptation to overwork and to compromise our character in hopes of finding peace and security and significance in our wealth instead of in God, what God wants us to turn to in Him. So we're going to look at four common pitfalls that we all struggle with, four areas that when it comes to our jobs and making a living, there's four ways that we, we tend to be foolish and God has some wisdom that he wants to give to us and he wants to bless us with. And then we're going to have three opportunities to respond, an opportunity to have conversations with those we may need to have conversations following reading these Proverbs, an opportunity to think about which kingdom we need to choose, and an opportunity to take a step. So before I get started, I'd really like us to, to take some time together and just bow our heads and pray that God would speak to all of us as we open up his word. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this morning, God. We thank you for the opportunity to come together as your church. We thank you that you let us freely read your word. We thank you that you've given it to us to give us wisdom, and God, I'm thankful for the blessed lives that we can live by applying the principles that you have for us. Father, we pray that you would help us to turn to your son today, that our hearts would be filled with hope. We pray that you would take away uh, guilt and pain from us, Father, and that you would fill us with life and hope through your son today. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. If you look inside your worship guide, you have... Uh, a a little uh, insert that has the notes for today's sermon. There's four points you can follow along. Uh, if you need a pen to follow along, one of our uh, very good-looking ushers in the back will bring you a pen so you can take some notes. And I want to encourage you guys as we go through these verses today, it's not a long passage. There's, there's several proverbs, and so we're going to move pretty quickly. And so if you'll notice in your notes, the, the verses are all listed there. You can take those home. You can study them more at home on your own. I'd encourage you just to follow along on the screen so we can read the verses uh, and, and go through the points. So um, when we think about work, a couple pictures to get us thinking about it. A lot of us think of Wall Street in this movie, Money, Money, Money. Work's all about making the Benjamins. It's some of what we think about when we think about work. Some of us are a little bit more lighthearted. We, we think of work a little differently. This is more our version of work right here. Some of us, some of us think of having a little bit of fun. I, I really wanted to just play clips of this this morning. That would have been the best. Um, now, being in South Texas, some of us think about being out on the monte, some of us think of cowboys and ranching and cattle. <laughs> and I think this should probably be one of our proverbs. 
probably should have had this. I, I think this might be in the Bible. I'm not sure where, but life is hard and it's harder if you're stupid. John Wayne, that's a good one. We could just write that down. But a lot of us make it harder than it needs to be. But a lot of us, for our work, we think of, of putting in some sweat and, and work in the land that, that God's given us down here. Well, let's get started. Our, our first verse today is Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it's gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle towards heaven. And then Proverbs 15, verse 16 and 17, and Proverbs 16, 8 say, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox with hatred. Better is little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. So here's our first point. Overworking or compromising ourselves to acquire wealth is foolish. Overworking or compromising yourself to acquire wealth is foolish, is is what God's telling us here in these scriptures. Now, the tension is we all want to do it. So why? What is it that's so alluring about going after money? I mean, besides the fact that it just feels nice to have it in your wallet and it's green. But what is it that we want to overwork and that we're tempted to compromise ourselves to go after money? Well, for most of us, money promises freedom. Money promises independence. Money promises a better life. The more money I have, the better life I can give my wife and my kids. I can give my wife and my kids the life that I want to give to them. I can give them what I didn't have. It can give you status. Money's gonna give me status. And the thing is, it doesn't really matter how much you make. Sometimes we think of like making more money and going after money in terms of rich and poverty. Uh, When I lived in Denver, I graduated from college. I got a job with Charles Schwab. My first job was a stockbroker. And I I got a job on the weekends coaching swimming at a really wealthy athletic club uh, to meet clients. And and as I was working there, uh, this was a really, really nice athletic club. I mean, I wish we had one like this in there, but they'd go around and they'd hand you a towel as you're working out and they'd bring you water as you're on the machine. And you know, you're playing pickup basketball and, and one of the guys playing pickup noon ball used to be in the NBA. It was just a really cool place. But what I noticed when I was working there is that so many of the people that that uh, I was working out alongside and, and swimming alongside, they had so much and they were so blessed. And what I particularly noticed was the women felt this need to constantly stay young and to compete. And, and you see just all this tanning and, uh, and surgeries and augmentations to try to stay young. And they, they, there was like, you had to reach for something more. And so one thing we need, to, we need to be clear about as we get started is you see in the world that it's not about just being poor and being rich. The temptation's there for all of us. No matter how much money you have in your bank right now, more sounds better. And more seems to offer something else. But when we try to plan and provide and have our own wealth and significance apart from God and put too much priority on our wealth, it's gonna result in problems, and it's gonna result in emptiness. 
God wants to give us rest and he wants to give us results and he wants to give us significance that's greater than what money can buy and greater than what money can accomplish for us. The truth is, is that little earned well, no matter how small it is, is better than a lot earned with a lot of problems. Why? And here's the tension. God made us for our relationship with our family, and he made us for our relationship with him. And when we put too high a priority on our money, it actually ends up costing us the very things that we set out to work for in the very beginning. And I know we know that as a church because we've experienced that. That's what life teaches us because this proverb is true. Money can add value to relationships, but it can never make a good one. Working too much can pull us away from our spouse, pull us away from our friends, pull us away from our family. It can limit our ability to be good fathers and good mothers to our kids and good sons and daughters to our Lord and to our Savior. Now the temptation to overwork or to compromise ourselves in the pursuit of wealth goes deeper than just chasing after money or having money. What it really comes from is the tension we all face to be our own provider, to be independent instead of God-dependent. It's humbling to live dependent. We would much rather all of us be independent and know that everything is taken care of and we don't have to worry about it. And even pastors aren't immune to it. Sometimes we tend to hyper-spiritualize things and think that maybe the folks get up here and preach on a Sunday are somehow different, but it's really no different uh, whatever your job is. And I can give you an example. So many times over the years, I have way overworked myself pursuing wanting God to do something good in our church and good in our city because I want to see him do something, but I've overworked and I haven't worked within my limits because uh, I'm really trying to be my own provider, and I'm really trying to do what God wants to do, and I've shortchanged my wife, I've shortchanged my family, or I've even uh, sacrificed my own health, which my wife is great at pointing out and letting me know, like, you, you've gained a little weight, dude. Um, so, and that's all of us. There's times where even we're pursuing something good, it's not bad what we're pursuing, but as we're pursuing something good, we're really putting too much on ourselves and not giving God an opportunity to work in our life. A great, a great mentor that I had taught me that life is not about getting a 10 in one area. It's maybe about getting like six or sevens across the board. So you have your job and you have uh, managing your, your finances. You also have your marriage. You also have your kids. You also have your relationship, your personal relationship with God. You have your health and taking care of yourself. And some of us, wealth and our careers drive us so hard. They drive us so hard that, yeah, we might be a nine or a ten. Like, we kick butt at our job and we make, we, we're rewarded for it. But in these other areas of our life, we might be a two or a three, or a four. And yet in America, that's, that's the drive. What's your job? What do you do? And we work towards acquiring wealth and accomplishing. And yet God 
you know, none of us are going to be a 10 across the board. Um, uh, and if you are, we hate you. But if we could at least be like a six, you know, when it comes to being a husband, our wives can put up with us if we're at least like a six. Or at least, a, I mean, I'd rather be a six or a seven as a parent. Or the same in my own relationship with God. And see, what happens to us when we overwork too much is we start shortchanging all these areas. And we're not really available uh, for those things. We're not available to spend personal time with God. So our relationship with God starts to go downhill. We're not really available for our kids. And so things start happening in our family. We're going like, why, why are they being disrespectful? Well, because we don't have the time to be present to teach them the things that are on our heart that we want to pass on to our family. So here's our first application this morning. Here's what we can do with this. We get an opportunity looking at this proverb this morning to get a reset, to get a restart. And we can take a look at this and and basically ask the question, where have we been overworking? Where have you been overworking? Or where are areas in your life that you've compromised your character and you need a restart? You need to reprioritize moving into other areas and not pursuing fulfillment simply through our jobs and simply through pursuing wealth. When we overwork, it turns to poor relationships because we can become impatient. We're not around. We may turn to overeating. or We may even turn uh, to compensate for our exhaustion with, with drinking. And sometimes we turn to emotional affairs or we turn to pornography because we're not, because uh, it's convenient or it's easy instead of working on our relationship with our spouse. So not only do I want us to think this morning about getting a restart in these areas and balancing things out and pursuing the other things besides just work, but for many of us, this, this, the reality is, I don't want to say for many of us, I would say for all of us, this is a real struggle. You are not alone. If there is some area when I was going through where you said, yeah, I want more time with my kids, or there's some things that aren't right with me and my husband or my wife right now, or I can't remember the last time I had space in my life to just talk to God and open the word and study it for myself, you're not alone. That's what life is like for most of us as a church. And so not only do we need to think about where we need to get a restart, but Proverbs 28:13 says that he who conceals his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses his sin, he who confesses his sin and repents of it will find compassion. And this is a truth that I love that God puts for us and I hate. Because I have had to have conversations in my life with my wife where I've done things that I shouldn't have done. I've said things that I shouldn't have said. And I, know those com- I knew that conversation wasn't going to go well because I hurt her. I had conversations with people that I work with here because I couldn't keep something in secret. I needed everything in my life to be out on the open. We even have a policy in, in my home. There's no secrets. There's no secrets. Now, maybe everything doesn't need to become public knowledge to everybody, but certainly between you and your spouse, there shouldn't be any secrets. And and the things that are relevant and important with your coworkers and your co-laborers and your partners at your business or your school, you need to be on page with each other. And what the world does is it just brushes off with that stuff, plays it safe. It plays it safe. But that's not what God asks us to do. God says that if we confess our sins, if we, if we get 
in the open with the people that we're closest to, we are going to invite his blessing in our life. And here's the blessing that we invite. We are not the sum of the good actions that we do as a church. We are the sum of the fact that a perfect Savior who loves us completely came and gave his life on the cross and said, if you have placed your faith in me, your sin no longer counts against you. And so when we come to our spouse, when we come to a friend and we confess something, when we try to get things straight, their response is between them and God. But Jesus says, there is nothing that I have done and nothing that you have done that he is not willing and cannot forgive. And when we actually open up, it leads our families and it leads our friends and it leads us as a church closer to God and closer to the gospel because we see how we're all struggling and we see how we all need a savior and then we struggle to forgive the way that God wants us to, the way he's forgiven us is the way we need to offer forgiveness to each other instead of everything staying tucked away in the closet where we don't really put our dependence upon God. But church, we're in good company. We all fall short here, but we have the opportunity for something special reading these verses because we get a restart in God where we can focus on what's important and not be unbalanced and we can be honest with each other. So here's our next set of Proverbs. Proverb 13, 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 28, 28, 19 through 20 says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but whoever follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Our second point is that chasing wealth is foolish. Chasing after money is foolish. Now, we all want to make it rain. <laughs> we all want to make it rain. What's the tension? Why do we chase after wealth? Well, the tension that we face is living for now versus living for eternity. Which kingdom are we really living for? If you're living for now, you want it all and you want as fast as you can get it. But if you're living for eternity... We know that God's watching over us and we're not in a hurry. The point and the truth is, is that in some jobs, the more you work, the more you're going to make. But at what cost? Slow and steady is, is greater than winning the lottery, hitting the jackpot. Ill-gotten gain, God says, is going to disappear. Gain gotten apart from him is going to result in loss. But God will give us true riches when we put our trust in him. Now, I got to watch this growing up in my dad's life. Uh, my, my dad uh, came to become a believer in Jesus Christ later in life. And uh, later in life, uh, when he placed his trust in Jesus Christ, uh, he felt called to ministry. And so he went and got his master's in theology. And some folks from Laredo were starting a church. And they invited him to come down here and become a part of getting this church started. And uh, my dad at the time, when he was studying his degree, uh, God had blessed him to, to provide for us when he was in school by being part 
of, of a company that was really just starting to take off uh, in, in the late 70s and the early 80s. There was a company in Dallas called Interstate Batteries that was just on the ground floor starting to take off. And things were just blowing up, and they offered my dad a position to stay when he was graduating back in the early 80s, uh, where they said, hey, if you, if you can commit to staying with us 10 more years to keep this thing going, uh, we'll give you a million dollars. And now, our family moved down here, and all that we had to live on was a couple families, and my dad asking friends and family to say, hey, we want to start a church. Everybody throw some money in the hat. So... It went from that to like, let's live on coupons. And I remember thinking as a kid, you know, like, man, I was thinking about like all the Air Jordans I could have had and the Reebok pumps. If you remember those pumps from the 80s? Um, and it didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense. And then later on, we, we got to the point where, you know, dad followed his call and we came down here and the church kept growing and building and we needed a bigger building. And 20 years ago, the church built this building. And I remember when we were building this building, uh, the church actually built this building themselves, which we are not going to do this time around because that was crazy. But we actually put the drywall up and we painted it and Richard Hagee there in the back, he got up on a crane and he hung the steeple on top and, and missionaries came down like, you know, were electricians and, and stuff and they like put everything together. So if you ever have problems in this building, there's a reason why. Um, we, did, we did the best we could. We did the best we could. But we built this building. Well, going into building this building, uh, not too far into it, there was a missionary that was the general contractor that came down to help build the building and it didn't work out. I don't, I don't know the details. I don't remember. I was a little kid. All I know is that he left, and my dad started working like 80 hours a week because he all of a sudden became the general contractor and the pastor of the church. And I remember like doing the math as a kid and thinking like, all right, okay, so you would have made a million dollars. Okay, what if you stayed a little longer? Maybe like two million. Okay, and that was back in the 70s, so that's like a lot of money. And I remember telling my dad like, dad, why didn't you just keep your old job? Like, with your old job, because this building didn't cost that back then. I remember thinking, like, Dad, with your old job, you could have built the whole, you just paid for the whole building. It been no problem at all. And I remember my dad sitting me down and telling me, you know, if I didn't leave then, when was I ever going to leave? This is what God called me to do, and I needed to trust him to do what he's called me to do, and this is where he's called me. And so it was really neat. I've had a great opportunity in my life to watch my dad follow what God was calling him to do and to watch God grow his love and this church been built up. And then what was really special was when my dad left, um, you know, anybody could come in after him and they could have been a terrible pastor. Uh, but God blessed this church and this city with an incredible pastor and Pastor Chad, who is a great teacher and a great shepherd. And all of my dad's sacrifice and work where he was trusting God, just wanting to see something good happen, God rewarded and the church kept growing. And what's been neat too is that, you know, my, mom, my mom's still into the coupons. And if you go into our cupboard, I mean, there's a lot of food. Like she stocks up. But God's really been good to my, my parents financially in their later years. And I, even this week, they're going on a cruise together. And my dad can't believe it. He said, I'm living the dream. But as parents... And as men and women in this church, we have temptations where we may want to just go after the money. And it's not that making money is bad. There's nothing wrong with making money. Money is neutral. But we need a way. What kingdom are we going after? And so we have a choice. This is our second application today. We have a choice to, to decide, am I putting my trust for the things that I want to see happen in my family for the things that I want to see happen in my city? Am I putting it in my finances 
or am I putting it in God? And when we go to work, God wants us to go to work, yes, to work hard, yes, to make money, but he wants us to go to work with the X factor, with the fact that God is with us and that our hopes and our dreams are bigger than what a dollar can accomplish. Because truly, God doesn't need any more money. God, God can do anything he wants to do in our life. He just wants our hearts and he wants us to trust in him. Here's our next proverb. Proverb 14, 23. Proverb 14, 23. In all toil there is profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. And Proverbs 24, 20, 13, and 10, 4 say, The sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will have plenty of bread. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. When it comes to work, talking about it instead of being about it is foolish. Talking about it instead of being about it is foolish. And yet we all have this temptation to talk about it. I like this little picture here. Don't give up on your dreams. Just keep sleeping. But the truth is, is that our future is not in what we do tomorrow. Our future is in the work that we do today. God wants us to be productive. So dreaming is nice, but doing actually requires dealing with reality. Talking is nice. Yeah, sure, I'll take the trash out. But your wife probably meant like now, not, you know, next week, right? Doing actually requires getting up and getting to work. Another way that this takes shape in our life, though, is not just, is not just in dreaming versus doing or talking versus doing. Um, in the problems that are around us, we face a temptation as Christians to want to blame. It's just like, it's just second nature to us. We want to blame our wife, our husband. We want to blame our boss. That's common nature. But when God says get to work, he's calling us and inviting us to live differently than that. And so what's commonplace in the work is when there are problems, is just talk bad about the principal, or if you're a student, to talk bad about your teacher, uh, just to complain. But talking doesn't accomplish anything. And instead of being part of the problem and just bad-mouthing somebody else or bad-mouthing your boss, who is a sinner, who is imperfect, or bad-mouthing your spouse or whoever, it's totally different when we get to work and we actively choose to be part of the solution. And there is always a choice to make. There is always a way we can just badmouth somebody or we can choose to do something positive and lay our life down and move things in the right direction. And the crazy thing is when we're not talkers and we're doers, most bosses want to promote those people. And most coworkers love working with those people instead of the people that are just in the break room just talking about how lame everything is. And we actually get to be co-creators and partners with God in making the world as he wanted it to be. So... We all have, application of that is we all have a step to take. Instead of just talking about something, what, what is it, what is it you've been talking about instead of doing? What have you been complaining about instead of being part of the solution? What's the next step that you need to do instead of simply talking and avoiding something? And sometimes even who can you share that with so somebody's part of that solution with you? All of our work was ordained by God. Genesis 2.15 says that the Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work it and keep it. God ordained 
our work for his purposes. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 say, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And all work is God sustained. Proverbs 15, 6 says, in the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. And Psalm 121, 7 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So our last point for these Proverbs and these messages is that when we separate our work from our faith, we're fools. There is no separation. Separating your work from your faith is foolish. Money can allure us with the promise of freedom and a better life. We can want to live in the moment and have it all now as fast as we can get it. We can dream and we can talk instead of taking action and we can blame others instead of being the solution. But ultimately, little earned well is greater than much earned with a lot of problems. And when we work for wealth in an unhealthy balance, in an unhealthy way in our life, we can become blind to the damage that it does in our relationships, costing us the very things that we set out to work for. And the money that we worked so hard for ends up slipping through our fingers. But God has a better way. And so we get to respond to him today by thinking, who do we need to have conversations with? What kingdom are we really living for? And what's the steps that we need to take. I wanna show a video that I hope inspires us as we set out to do that. Work. Most of us spend over half our lives at work. Whatever it is you fill the nine to five with, planting crops, building cars, taking care of patients, teaching students, or running a business, Work is where most of life happens. For some, work is a drain. They dread Monday mornings, forcing themselves to struggle through because they need the paycheck, while many times feeling trapped and beaten down by their job. Some people love their work. They're good at what they do. It energizes them. It's a place of security, a place to chase dreams, desires, and success. At work, they find fulfillment. We often forget to connect our faith to our work. We don't consider the reasons God may have us at our job. We don't think about the purpose and meaning we could bring to our work. We simply focus on how it makes us feel. But what if we saw our work as an opportunity to worship? As Christians, we are called to serve Christ with our lives. For a few, that means working as a pastor, a youth minister, or a missionary. Others serve the church by teaching children or singing in the choir. But when Sunday is over, most of us return to our jobs outside the church. For us, our mission is in the marketplace. We may not be the kind of missionary who moves to the far regions of Africa, but around the conference table, around the water cooler, around the cubicle, we have an opportunity to worship the God who created us. He gave us skill. He gave us passion. He gave us work. When we do our jobs with excellence and integrity and diligence, it's an act of worship. We are displaying God's craftsmanship to the non-believing world around us we are earning the right to be heard. We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or traditional missionary will never see. 
We have conversations with people who would never set foot in a church. Whether we love or dread our work, we choose to turn the focus away from ourselves and toward the mission God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days in our calendars that have meaning. Every day on Mission for God brings us great joy. Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs and Josephs and Peters who are called with a purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, work is worship. So as we respond to God, when we live on less than we make, the 80-20 rule, when we eliminate our debt, and when we work within the limits that God's given us, we honor him. But when we try to be our own providers and we set out, turn our own fortunes, we're really building a kingdom that's gonna fade away. We're really building a sandcastle that's not gonna stand, that's not gonna stand the test of time. But when we put our hearts in Christ for our provision, we have the X factor. We have God with us. We have our Savior. And none of us was meant to go out and earn a living or to live independent of Him. He made us for a relationship with Him. And so no matter what surfaced this morning as we were reading those Proverbs, we all have an opportunity to respond to God this morning with our Savior. There's only one person who came to this earth and lived a perfect life, and that was Jesus Christ. And he died a death that he didn't deserve, and he rose from the grave with a power that he offers us today. So as we place our hope and our trust in him for our lives, we have hope to offer the world through our jobs. You guys, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to learn from you this morning. Father, we thank you for your words that are so true. God, we pray that you would just give us the courage that we need to have bold conversations. And we pray, Father, that you would give us the faith that we need to turn to you for our provision. We know, God, that money is neither good nor bad, it's neutral. And you don't need us to make any more money. You can and you want to provide for us, for our families, for us as a church. But you're not after us to work harder. You're not after us to go out and make more money. God, you're after our heart. We thank you for what your t word tells us, that you're searching the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully yours. And so we just pray this morning, God, that you would do just that, that you would break down the chips that we've built up and that you would open our hearts a little wider to you, that you would allow us to use all the skills and the talents and the passions that you've blessed us with and the things that we've earned and the dollars that we've labored for, for your kingdom, for our families, for your will to be done that our lives would be marked by joy and by love and by peace, by compassion for others and patience. And God, would you turn our city inside out so that when people see the city of Laredo, 
they know this is a city of love and this is a city of hope and this is a city of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen.